Hi, Kevin. Hi, Joe. Hello, Julian and Joe. Yeah, so what's this location? Yeah. This is like a special location you're in, both of you, actually, aren't you? I'm in just in a different part of my house right now. Got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Joe, the, the office is always... You're at the office. The office. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. We're in a and shared Joe... working mm-hmm. type space. Downtown and up. Joe, have you lost some weight? Is that possible? I feel like you're trying, leaned out. Trying. Yeah, that's it's great. Working. Yeah, like paying back taxes, digging out of the hole, <laughs> losing yeah. weights, like paying back taxes. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> the, uh, we we were talking on the on the WhatsApp this week, and I thought it would be helpful to direct the conversation. Lots of people are going through a lot of different things, and I don't know about y'all, but um. I get calls, in addition to the coaching calls that I do, I get calls from entrepreneurs several times a week being like, my company is screwed or I'm in this horrible situation, what do I do? And, and you know, for, for those of you that have been listening to this podcast here and there, it actually started as a CEO kind of support group or CEO peer group where uh, we pulled in some people that were all repeat entrepreneurs because that repeatability is so important. I was wondering, just sort of as an, as an open question, how do you, how did you guys create your networks and how did you make sure, have you made sure that you had appropriate support starting your businesses or while you were building them? Um, I didn't know that how critical it would be to start. And, you know, it was funny, early clout days. Uh, we rented space in the same building as Twitter and we ended up with way more space than I can handle. Uh, so I subletted to four other companies. So I had mm. four other CEOs just, you know, in the same space as me in those early days. And those became the people, you know, we would just, you could see the beat down we were all taking and, you know, the walks we would take and the conversations we would have. Luckily, figured out early how critical it was be, and I lucked into having people around. Mm. Uh, and it's been critical since then. But it's almost every CEO I feel like I meet, you can make that connection pretty quickly. Yeah. What do you do? You guys feel like that? Like when you meet a CEO, a venture back CEO, are you just like, we're you know, I I can feel your pain even without hearing it. I was um if I was at a dinner last week. Uh, and I was, it was a VC dinner, one of the first ones I'd been to in a really long time. And it was like some LPs, like investors of investors and some GPs and then some entrepreneurs. Right. And I was sitting next to this woman who had been running a company and it was bootstrapped and we were kind of like talking and, uh, and, and I, I feel like I resonated on a level. I haven't resonated in a long time where she was like, yeah, I was 15 people. And then I brought it down to seven. And my first yeah. instinct, as I said, good for you, <laughs> which is, and, and because it's not like, it's not good news, but no. there was a sort of mutual understanding. Right. So yeah, I, I, you, you kind of, you vibe almost immediately when someone runs a software company or a venture back one, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think I, I definitely do connect with the people, um, that are open and like no bullshit. There, there definitely are people like, and. And my approach has always been to like, like when I first got to to San Francisco, I would just go to, I didn't know anybody, you know, mm-hmm. I would just go to every single startup event and like, try to just like put myself out there um, and just try to, try to like, 
just luck would make some of my strongest connections. Um, but I find like now there are certain people who, who are like super open. Like if you meet me, I'll tell you like everything yeah. and I'll mm-hmm. be super open and you'll get uh, some other people like that who are the people that I, I definitely do connect with the most when you first meet them. But there's also other people that are just like they're, they don't, they, they make it seem it's like, it's like, uh, you're an investor for some reason like they're like yeah everything's going great and like blah blah, blah. and you know that it's total <laughs> bullshit and the, yeah. they, those are the people i'm like i i know i'm not going to be able to connect with this them and i'm not yeah. going to like follow up but i think with with me building my network um like to joe's point i totally agree i didn't realize um and 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 these podcasts weren't around back then um like really hammering home like how important a network really truly is so I would just try to meet people and that would help. But it, there, there was no like grand plan to like building a network and all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like one person after another. And I'm like an extrovert. So it just kind of happens naturally to me. And I like, I like, and I'm very curious about other people's like businesses and how they got there. So just yeah. kind of like rolled with it. But like, I think looking back at it, like building a network is one of the most important things you could do. And this is not like a company specific thing. This is like a mm-hmm. career long endeavor, no matter what, if you do change industries or whatever, building your network, those are the people that you can like, like, like Julian, like you just today, you, you gave me a great referral to some, yeah. I'm in a tough spot right now with my company on something that we need and you gave me a great referral mm-hmm. and I actually may work with this person. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what like a great network could be, could be, or, and also like investor networks, like building that over many years, like that's really great. Um, but I think there's, there's a ton of like luck involved, but also follow up. I think that's where yeah. a lot of people yeah. screw it up. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm always the person checking in on the people. How are you doing? What's happening? What's yeah. the latest? Let's get, let's get together. Like. And I find that a lot of people on the other end, they're not doing that with me. And I just mm-hmm. see like they have a very small network or maybe I'm just unlikable for some reason and, and they don't want to. I, I, I would have told you by now. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, there's the, the A game for me of the person who does this is Sam Corcos at Levels. Sam Corcos. So first of all, if you want his investor updates, I'm to be clear, I'm not an investor in his company, although I suppose I could have been. Uh, he is just... You're like, yeah, I'll send them to you. He sends them. It's got to be like 5,000 people or something by this no point. No way. Holy he shit. He is incredible follow through. Incredible. So I was on his podcast, I want to say a month and a half ago, maybe. Yeah. And, and his EA asked me for my address and sends me flowers to my house from an expensive wow. florist up the way. And it's like, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm, sh- I'm sure our audience will really love blah, blah, blah. Like, I- and I'm talking, it's really serious follow through. Yeah. And, and that is, uh, man, you know, I got to say, like, even just now when you were saying, um, oh, we have, I have a problem with my company. I feel the need to follow up here and, yeah. and say, <laughs> no, but Kevin doesn't have a problem with his company. To be clear, he has, he needed finance resources. <laughs> Yeah, Nothing resources with this company. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, the and, company is doing great. But that's that's like I have a natural tendency to make things positive and to try and make them make them nice and, and mm. friendly and so on. Sam is the opposite. That openness gets everyone to believe in him. 
you know? Right. And that's his, that's his means to do it. Joe, looked like you had something to think about. You were talking about. No, I mean, the, the follow-up is too rare or isn't great when it only comes in those points of need. If you're not yes, kind of nurturing totally. those relationships. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a group here in LA, nine of us, nine CEOs, yep. Yep. and we meet once a month. It's the last mm-hmm. Tuesday of the month. Yeah, we do. We meet for a couple hours and then we do dinner. And yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, this group has been going for. I've been in it for seven years. Wow! And, like almost never missed a month. But there's yeah. people who have been in it. One of the newer people. Wow. And it's great because we have a familiarity with each other's business and just, you know, blind spots and everything else that like you, when the need comes, you really can't support each other. Right. Like I feel like almost anyone in that group could come in and run my business if I was like commission for a <laughs> month because uh, they just have that contact to know how I like to do things. You know, that's rare to get to that level, but. For sure. I feel like that's a good goal to like have a group that you're that close to. Yeah. Now, I, how did you build that? Like that, like, and, and also like you've been in this business for a long time. Like this is not something that happens overnight. You need to really mm-hmm. take the time to build it. But how, how did that like group come together? It's a crazy story. I guess the group has been around for actually more than 20 years. Oh, uh, wow. There's no Steve. person that has been in that long, but it's okay. the same kind of there's a lineage and the key that has made it work i believe is there's like a commitment that like we are not going to miss like you only are missing if it's like you know something real is happening it's not just like god oh guys hey i'm sorry i'm busy you know whatever it's like hey it's the last tuesday of the month block it on your calendar Hmm. you know if something real comes up but like People generally don't miss it. Right. And it's that taking it, everyone taking it the same level of serious, I think has sure. a massive impact. What is, is it? Is it like, is it like one of those like YPO groups or whatever? See, I, I'm not in YPO, but I have, there is one or two people in the group that are in YPO and they say it's similar. You know, there's pluses and minus on each. I think it, mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of similarities, but it's, yeah, we just did it ourselves. Right. The first group that I ever did this with, back in the day when I really didn't know anyone, I didn't know how to do public speaking. I didn't know how to, and I, and I was forced to do a talk because I, um, because I was going to a podcast conference. And uh, I joined Toastmasters. And it seems like, it's like such a generic, like kind of Tony Robbins-ish thing to do, you know? But like, but I did, and I didn't know how to do public speaking. And it was the first real network of kind of entrepreneurs or definitely people that were business oriented that I ever joined. And even now I keep in touch with some of them. And I really did learn how to do public speaking through Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. And it's like almost all the skills that I think that I've learned, very seldom have I learned it from a book. Very seldom have I learned it from a course. I think I'm a decent self-learner. But it's really when speaking verbally with somebody about something that I think I thrive, right? And so that's probably how it happens. So today, 
And especially in Canada, it's ironic because in Canada, I never, almost see never, nobody in person. I was at this <laughs> dinner, like I said, and people were like, oh my God, Julie, <laughs> like they were so, it was so you're, unusual. You're for them a to... real person. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but the, it's, I don't know, you know, it's, it's crazy because we're all suffering. I feel like we're, my, my suffering, what I mean is we're all going through hard things, but you seem to have the biggest structure, Joe, of this really important thing. But I don't think that sounds like a 1% thing. Not that you're special then like, but like almost nobody structures it that way. Yeah. I have not, other than like a YPO thing, I've not met many people that have a, a structure and mm -hmm. uh, it's been huge for me. If you could, you know, I highly recommend if you can find that group, yep. five, six, eight people, 10 people, whatever. and make it a real thing it's it's like i don't know that i could have made it through you know effectively winding down joy mode without that support sure well how did you find them in los angeles because like it's not a they're all venture backed or no yeah yeah everyone's venture backed wow. um big, wow. you know multiple hundred million plus revenue companies like wow, wow, wow we're you know we're just starting we're the smallest company in the group but i've been in it through joy mode you know going mm -hmm. raising right yep. five million dollars whatever to you know mm -hmm. uh kind of soft landing acquisition and shut down to yeah. starting a whole new thing. And uh, it's cool. And multiple people have had multiple companies and acquisitions and you kind of see the whole life trajectory and how all the pieces fit together and gives a really deep perspective on when somebody's having, you know, when somebody's like, oh, I'm having trouble with my board or my co-founder. Right. Mm. You can bring all that history to like, Hey, I've seen this with you before. It's so important. Yeah. You know, versus like, mm -hmm. hey, but two years ago when we last had drinks, uh, yeah, those mm -hmm. those ca those casual relationships are good, but I think like formalizing it, yeah, uh, is is paid off huge for me. It so reminds I me of a time when I did this in person, and it was it's actually Greg Eisenberg back in the day that got them together. It was like a I don't know how to, he's an entrepreneur, but he's like a famous Twitter personality now. And, uh, and there were five or six different entrepreneurs and we all got together. We rented an Airbnb, a house in Los Angeles. And, uh, and it was like three days. So basically a retreat, right? And it was a very beginning of when I started Breather and I was still ideating it. Rob turned out to start a company, VidIQ, that is basically like an SEO for YouTube business. It's like 10 million ARR now. Uh, Greg went on to start and sell like a couple of companies and was one of the founders of Hootsuite. And so we're talking like a pretty legit group, just sitting together and committing to like three days to do it. And it's funny because it created like a WhatsApp group type of thing right. afterwards. And we're still like chatting now <laughs> here and there. So even that two or three days of intense kind of like ability to do it, it's got to be in a warm place. You don't want to be together. You could do it in a cottage, I guess, <laughs> on a ski mountain or ski hill or something. But, uh, you know, it's you give people an opportunity. It's like, you know, there are people I, I know Sam Parr and some other people are are creating CEO peer groups as a yes. business right now. Yes, they are. Yes. Right. And Who's doing so that? that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't forget the name of it. Seven, do you know? Uh, yeah, it's called Hamp Hamptons. And hmm. Sam Parr and um, who's his partner he's doing it with? Um, I can't remember who else it was. But yeah, they're, they're, mm -hmm. they're trying to create, I guess, like a similar thing as like YPO. It's just, it's just a, 
Um, yeah. I think I'm not sure if it's a totally similar stage, but it's around founders getting together. Now, I do believe that they do charge for it. It's like um, 5K. I yeah. think it's 5K a year or something. Yeah, it's something like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't, I definitely would consider something like that if I didn't already have something. So, I, mm-hmm. I did talk, I actually, yeah, I actually created like a group like this myself when I was, um, it was probably when I, right after I raised my Series A at Ship. So, it was mm-hmm. like five um, entrepreneurs. We all had the same um uh lead investor okay. um and so we had that in common and then mm-hmm. i was just it wasn't formalized or anything but i would just like force people to get to get to for dinner like once a month or once every two months and mm-hmm. um it was great and it was in person yeah. and this was in the heyday of san francisco and it was just like all awesome awesome restaurants and all this and it was really good especially as like a first time like real venture founder and mm-hmm. uh, we were all at similar stages. I don't think anybody was had any other previous venture experience, but yeah, just a, you're just going through all the same sort of things together, and you're like, oh no, I had this problem, I had this problem. It's just so important, and just mm-hmm. like if if you don't have that that network, you even even just to like commiserate with, um, and and also if you're going through a problem, sometimes you get stuck in your head, and you're like, I can't, this for this, especially yes. if you're a first first time entrepreneur, it's like. This this one person is like either de- demanding so much more money, which is like crazy, and I'm not going to keep them, or like, oh my my VP whoever just just left, my company is going to like fail. Yeah. If you have that other person there, it's like this is not mm-hmm. a big deal. Like you're gonna yeah. like I've done this, and then you just have have that you could commiserate together, but also like you you have some other experience on there, so. I really like the idea, and 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 uh, Julian, you were the one that formed this group. You're mm-hmm. like, let's get second time founders together. Let's get yeah. let people that have like a certain level of the same sort of experience and and g- are going through similar types of problems together. Um, and I'll, I also do believe it has to be people who like genuinely like each other. That was another thing. Like I I like handpicked the people. That yeah. I was like, letting, and we we were also like friends as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'd be a number of different things. I think you could have like the friend, the friend sort of thing. That I also have other people that I've now been friends with over a decade in the Bay yeah. Area, and yeah. we they now our our kids are friends and stuff like that. But we'll get together like more frequently and all of that. Mm-hmm. But you could you could have like the the friend relationships that are also like professional that are at a similar stage. You could have like the the groups that Joe is talking about that that are more maybe more formal formalized but like non pain mm-hmm. and then you could probably also have like the YPO the Hamptons that are like they will construct these groups and maybe not like the one thing I I so I've never been a part of those groups the one thing I worry about there is just am I gonna like the people that are gonna be there are they can like sure. force me into this are we Am I going to really trust these people to share mm-hmm. like the most intimate pieces? Of, I know that's obviously an unwritten rule or a written rule. You can't share anything about anybody else. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I like when it's naturally formed. Um, but it is really hard to get people to commit to other things. I found that I've yeah. found people that I'm like, man, we should get together a lot. Like, we have so much in common. We you both learn. And, and it's just like, you have to make all the effort and then it's, there's no re- reciprocation. I think Joe, you mentioned like, it can't just be the times that like you just reach out and need something. It needs to be like, 
an yeah. ongoing rela- relationship that you're there and, and and you're just shooting the shit and just like something comes up or something like that. I think those, for me, I prefer the ones that are more like naturally formed versus it, like the I, I will say it in when, if you find yourself, your career in entrepreneurship, by the way, doesn't end with a company, right? I think that's understood right. by everybody here. Yes. So, so, and, and to Joe, uh, Joe's example, I was going to say to Joy's example, because your company was Joy Mode. <laughs> to Joe's example, his last company, Joy Mode, it gets shut down. Then at the, the next company, those people are still there. And so in, in the first company that I, in the first venture-backed company, Breather, that I ran, I didn't know any, I, that's actually false because Gary V is, was one of my first investors. So I guess I did know cool people, but I didn't know cool entrepreneurs, right? It's like, I didn't know like the Dave Morans of the world and like these other kind of cool Silicon Valley types. I knew more some of the New Yorker media types like Gary. And, uh, but the amount of support that you get from angels, super angels or entrepreneurs is actually like a hundred X what it would be from a VC for a bunch of different reasons. It's why if you ever do get things like this together, you should never invite an investor. You can invite the (laughs) the little investors that put in 25K, right? If they're an entrepreneur, but you should never invite your lead investor into it. No. Because your your lead investor, as much as they never want to admit it, is a fair weather friend in almost all circumstances, you know? So it's got to be pure. And Joe, I don't know if this resonates with you, but it's like, it's got to be pure and it's got to feel like people can actually talk, which means there needs to be nobody there that anyone kind of needs to impress or something. Yeah. Yeah. They can't be spinning for somebody yes. in this meeting. <laughs> and a VC, like, yeah, they have a job. Like, I'm friends with lots mm-hmm. of VCs, but I also understand, like, their job is they have a, a job to do. And, like, yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes that means not doing a bridge round or whatever things. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's totally. right. And you're like, well, you're my friend. Well, I thought this was, it's like, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It took a long time yep. to learn that. And, you know, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a different thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking about, go ahead. But I'm curious, you know, this is related. Guessing you guys get this too. Like you're up and coming entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and they're like, I really want that group. Uh, I want to make you an advisor and, and you know, uh, give you shares to be my kind of mentor and kind of connection. Right, right. That mm-hmm. also feels very different. Yes, that is. Mm-hmm. Do you do and it? So, Joe? What would you say the differences are? Well, I'm getting, I actually pretty much advise. Uh, Ever. I, Same with me. I feel like I got almost taken advantage of by advisors in the early days of hmm. I was so hungry for credibility yeah. and having people with mm. names that would kind of I could put on a slide and associate to the company that yeah. I like it was a real bummer when the company got acquired and it was you know a good outcome and I'm looking at like the you know who gets what and I had these advisors who literally did nothing make nothing. more than some of our like engineers yeah. that have been there for years and built critical things. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't like they were trying to play me, but it was like, I did not feel like it was a good use. Yeah. yeah I felt like I felt taken advantage of or kind of just dumb. And so when I meet young entrepreneurs, I almost, you know, unless there's somebody that has worked in my company, like 
I will never be an advisor. Uh, I'll I'll help them in every way I can, but I don't right. equity. It, 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 this resonates with me a lot. Okay, the inverse is so true, and I don't know if you, this resonates with all y'all, but I definitely have entrepreneurs that have repeatedly reached out to me to book calls. They're booking calls over and over and over again. I'm giving I'm, I'm giving them suggestions of things that I know are valuable and that they execute on in some cases but then no advisor agreement ever comes into play. And now I feel like I'm being played. Interesting. Right. And so it's there. Oh. Mm. And I find that really frustrating because I don't, I like, I mean, like it, it, it's really obvious. Like if you just raw in cash, just talk about my value. One of my calls with one of my coaches, my coaching clients is 750 bucks, just to give you a sense. That's today. And I'm, I'm undercharging. You are undercharging. Clear, right. And I know I am. And uh, the, the it, does it need to be valued at that in cash? Certainly not. And uh, recently, an exception to my advisor thing came in play where someone I, I do want as an advisor, actually in this business, because I agree with you, Joe, I was desperate for credibility. Any rando that wanted to be involved. I was like, advisor, you know, <laughs> press the advisor button as soon as you can. The other version of it, which I don't remember if I spoke to exactly on the show, is that I used a thing called clarity in the early days. Mm -hmm. And I would call the most expensive people that I could find, like $6, $10 a minute, because I had no network. And I would call them because I know that they they were on the network. Like they would pay Dan Mar Dan Martell is the guy who started this company and eventually mm -hmm. sold it. One and of my, I would uh, talk to one of my subletters in my that office I was mentioning. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. 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 So he started that. And I would call people for five hundred dollars a fucking hour, be like, teach me how to fundraise. And <laughs> yeah. and so you can do this. And I did do it till I eventually got my own skill set, I think. I, I have an opinion on both sides. So on Joe's side, th this there actually are, and I know for sure, there are predatory advisors, especially mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley. They will go to like upcoming like or or uh, pot potentially um, uh, great companies and they will actually ask for advisor shares and they will actually ask for quite a bit. So like, like early days, like I've seen like half a point even given to like some mm -hmm. like advisors. And and there's also no uh, agreement on like what what is going to actually take place. Like, is it going to be a certain amount of hours per month that you're going to advise? Like, is this are you going to help us get our first three engineers? Like, what is this going to do? Mm -hmm. And I've seen people get rich. Like, I actually know somebody that was one of the very first um, engineering advisors to Uber. And he literally, that's how he made all of his money. He, he was wow. also a, 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 a founder and an investor, and he made all of his money just off of that. Um, and there's so many other people that are very predatory to mm. take advantage of, especially first-time founders. In Uber's case, it wasn't a first-time founder. And I think he did deliver some value to the, the company as well. Mm -hmm. um, but the, I've seen it in so many other companies that they'll try to just take as much and just they really don't give any um, anything at all. Yeah. For myself, I do like um, I have a few advisors in the company, but it was very 
um like it was like okay i need like before like uh, my myself i have an engineering background but like i'm so outdated i could not there's no way i could actually like screen an actual good engine like first engine first Mm -hmm. few engineers so it's basically like one of my really good friends I, i was i was like he's awesome um and i was like can you be an advisor and basically like help us hire like some engineers and like you run on the whole process and like here's equity and i was like very like this is what you're gonna get um on the other side there are the people that i think like julian so i'm actually doing this with somebody who's just been so helpful to me i'm just like mm-hmm. you've been helpful you haven't asked for anything and i'm gonna just yeah. give you a bunch of advisor shares so i think that's that's the way that i look at it right now but you do as a, like a first-time founder there are going to be people and they will ask for a lot of money but also nobody gives a shit like the investor let the investors when you put the advisors on your deck nobody cares about that that does yeah. not at all that's not a good signal or anything like that you're just giving away a piece of your company you you give you can you've convinced somebody to give them some equity you've know that that there's there, they didn't put any money in the company potentially there's no yeah. signal there there's yeah. really nothing there so that the, but i understand that need that you want to be like affiliated with some successful people especially if you don't need, know anybody but that's definitely not the right way to go um, um i've never done the the calling thing um with 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 people that that, that definitely sounds really interesting did you julian did you learn a lot from those calls? that's great I, I think it was unilaterally responsible for my series i probably at, at breather wow yeah, yeah, okay yeah. yeah it wasn't a, it wasn't like a super hot a but i got it done right and and uh, and I called Peter Pham, who I think probably everybody knows is a guy who started Science Incorporated. Joe, you probably know him. And yeah. uh, there's a bunch of other people, like tons of people that I called. Mm-hmm. $50 a minute, whatever. Some like, I just kept calling them because what you when you raise, it was $6 million was that round. Oh, sorry, but I had done it before. So I, I had a million and a half was the last round. Very, very early. But I was so under-networked and I was so under-informed on how to, do a financing mm-hmm. that I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. How does this work? So I would call people for stupid things like, okay, I just did a second meeting with the second partner at a fund. He said this and this, what do I do? And I would do a 15 minute call with them. And I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And by the, you know, for those of you that, that have, uh, that know about uh, breather or have seen the history of it, it ended up raising around a hundred, Twenty hundred fifty million dollars, and so, like, like that was a skill set that I paid to learn. Literally, right. I, 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 that they, paid off. That paid <laughs> off. Bouche à oreille is how you say it in French. Uh, uh, ear, uh, mouth to ear, like li- verbally, they taught me how to fundraise because I had nothing. Right. You mm-hmm. know, I wonder how people the, do it now. The current version of Clarity is intro. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, yes, I've heard about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, they, done calls on that as people paying me. <laughs> Interesting. I'm it for free. I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's been great. And the entrepreneurs I've met have been awesome. And it's cool seeing so often they under networked in the sense they're from a random city somewhere and they don't have the yep. you know, the access right. to right. You know the entrepreneur scene that we we've been fortunate to crack into. Right. Mm-hmm. Do Do you guys want to pivot? Not Not. Uh, I think on the the building um, relationships, but how about um, building relationships and networks with investors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How have you guys done that? 
it's first of all, it's tough. Joe, uh, you and I are, I, well, I mean, Kevin, you, you were an outsider, but you moved mm-hmm. to Silicon Valley. So if, if with your permission, I would say you were less of an outsider than me and Joe were probably, would you say that's right, Joe, or? I mean, I definitely felt like an outsider with cloud. Mm-hmm. I had never, yeah. when, when cloud had launched, I had never met an investor. Like I had never met a person <laughs> worse than Google. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. a janitor from Google was like beyond my network, you know? That's right. Uh, <laughs> like I had. totally outside the world Mm -hmm. and and it's that you built it by yourself you were like a solo engineer that was just building a version of it or something yeah i built the first version of cloud and just was like the thing that now exists in the world yeah who wants to try it i I remember yeah i remember grappling with so first of all my network i it's important i give people advice all the all the time during this type of conversation and i'm like raised with no data right this is the thing that i tell people Mm -hmm. when they start because the moment you have a single point of data, someone will use it against you, right? Yeah. And yep. uh, the and we're talking about a seed round or whatever they call it. And and so that is what I did at Breather. If I had any numbers, no one would have believed in it. Uh, and I pitched a concept, and I was fortunate that I had a set of well-known speakers who are today sometimes in the Speakers Hall of Fame. You know, like quite successful people including Gary, including a dude, Jay Bear, who's on the, in the Speakers Hall of Fame and a bunch of other people. They were ready to give me uh, early things because of a blog that I'd written that was successful and so on. And it included Mike Walsh, uh, who was one of the first investors in Uber, who just gave me 100K in five minutes, right? And it's just like you have these, you're like, oh my God. In retrospect, I was under networks because I got no VCs. There were no VCs that I could speak to. I didn't know how to mm-hmm. talk to them. Mm-hmm. And none of them responded and none of them gave me time wait, except for first round capital who almost got to a term sheet. Now that I think back about it and they were willing to, to meet with me, but not a lot of people. And, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, I would now be able to say that investors job is to meet with you and to deploy capital. Mm-hmm. So I would just say, meet with anyone no matter A, B, C, D, F fund, meet them, yep. cares, come highly prepared, but not so rehearsed that you end up robotic and just develop an emotional relationship of some kind. That, it, that would be what I would say, because it's their job to fucking meet you, you know? And uh, I wish I had done that, I suppose. I didn't do that as well as I could have. Yeah, I don't think you really understand like as a first time founder, what the job of uh, actual VC is, right? No, no. You just, you just think that they're there to say yes or no, but their job is to source is to cultivate relationships so they can actually can have access to the best and hottest deals. Um, it is also to like gather like information about companies and if they want to actually, if they want to actually write a term sheet. They have to then convince their partners of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that, that is their job and they do get paid a salary, right? Like typically yep. um, of a venture fund, the, the 2% are management fees. They get a salary, mm-hmm. even if the companies they invest in don't return anything to the fund. Yep. And so they do have a day to day job. Um, so mm-hmm. that you should understand how that works. How I did it was very, um, 
I did have a very small company in Canada before um, I had ship that I, I started in San Francisco. And so I did have some VC meetings, um, some like in Vancouver and then Montreal and those VCs. Um, this is a long time ago, but they were very subpar. And I'm sure that's- Don't act like you're so embarrassed about it, dude. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not embarrassed of it. Um, uh, I, I, so I'm sure they're, they're better than they are then, but- Coming down to San Francisco is just a completely different ball game. But I think you need to do everything you can. Yeah, meet with anybody you can for whatever reason. I think I also, so my second time around, I took the approach of like trying to cultivate a relationship, knowing that I'm going to have to ask for capital. So yeah. I would go and it wouldn't be a pitch, right? It'd be like, oh, like I met you last time with Ship and I actually pitched you, but like, here's a new thing I'm working on. I just want to share it mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. Um, I I did that a lot. I also, like the way I structured my round at Airhouse, I did not take any firms as like investors. It was all like, oh, it'd be like a seed. Like, I took a seed fund, but they would not, it would not be multi-stage because I was Got worried up. about the you signaling risk. Yeah, so okay. like a signaling, yeah. sig signaling risk is, that if you take a fund, so say, say you take Andreessen Horowitz, for example, mm -hmm. right? Like they could write hundreds of millions of dollars. So if they go on your seed, they're going to see all the data. And what if they don't write your A? Is that yep. be a negative signal to other investors? Mm -hmm. So yep. that was my my thought process on that. And, and I don't know if that's right or not, but I decided not to go with those investors. But instead, mm -hmm. I would basically meet with all, all of the major firms and be like, hey, I'm working on this thing in order to build relationships. And I think pro probably, I think like the, the one thing I didn't account for, which is really interesting, is that people move around a lot and people get out of venture and they, I, I, th I thought I was like developing yeah. these relationships. And it's like, oh, when we're raising, ready to raise our B, like I've updated you on the stage of company that we're at. And like, I did exactly what we did. And like, mm -hmm. you're, you should be writing them a check. That's what I kind of thought even going around it for the second time, that actually didn't turn out to be true. There's so many people that move around and stuff like that. But I think mm -hmm. it's important to just meet with a lot of VCs, develop a good network, but also know that it may not be that that same VC. They also have, a, every VC has a CRM every single time that you meet with them. The, they record it, right? They record that that they, they've met with, that, met with you. And I don't know how detailed their notes are. I've never been on that side of the table. But just even understand like, what's really important to VCs, um, spend a lot of time with them. What is the, their process like? What kind of in, in companies are they interested in? I, I think certain funds are will like chase um, different hype cycles, uh, yeah. probably the, the more than others will. Others will kind of have different mm -hmm. strategies. So like just getting in and just trying to build your network as much as you possibly can. I, I don't I don't think of the like there's also a lot of a lot of VCs will be like you should you you should get like uh, lunch with me like every single quarter and update me <laughs> on my progress. I think that's bullshit. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. we don't have time to do that with 20 or 30 VCs. Are you kidding me? That's yeah. just that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That's you wanting an entrepreneur to like give up give the info to you first. And mm -hmm. so I see this all yes. the time on Twitter. It's like you should yeah. be updating people and sending me notes on like your progress and all of that. It's like, no, I shouldn't. But like, you're just wanting to do that because you want to be the front runner of all these other VCs. It's, yeah. it's, it's a game. So, so anyways, I, I've got, that's, that has been my strategy mm -hmm. to date. And it, it didn't work out as well as I thought. I thought that I'd be able to go 
like forming my MIB and it's like, you've known, I've told you exactly what I'm going to do from the seed stage on yeah, and yeah. it's ready. Mm -hmm. That it has not turned out to be true, but yeah, I mm -hmm. still now do have a really good, good, I'd say like investor network. Like we're, we're looking to raise our next round and Dude. probably 75% of the people that we'll be talking to are from relationships that I've made versus yeah. Um, getting intros from other founders or from your other uh, VCs. So I think that's, it's worked pretty well for me so far. Uh, Joe, uh, did you find that between your prior company, your first company, venture-back company, Cloud, and that network that you had built throughout Cloud, which must have been meaningful, uh, did you find that that network built over time, like, how would you rate the improvement from a, like a A to an F or something? Yeah, I think it grew a ton, obviously, like from literally never meeting a VC to feeling like mm -hmm. I knew, yeah, you just end up pitching every firm and you bump into these people year to yep. year. And, and mostly, you know, most VCs, they're intellectually curious people. Like they're, I, you be, it's easy to have good conversations and like, yeah, kind of build a, a you know, light friendship. Um, that's true and, yeah and again their job light, is light's important clean. light is important yeah. yes yes it's yes. a very so, important word yeah, yeah. Can, can we double click just quickly just on that joe explain that phrase because i think it's valuable for everybody to know yeah like i, I think of it as you're more than acquaintances mm -hmm. uh you'll see each other at all the same events and you know keep up and your friends on social and all these things <laughs> yeah, you tend to get like similar interests, like, oh, you're skiing, I'm skiing, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and you find, and they're kind of grow up together. Like, there's a lot of VPs right. that were like, right. you know, why are we connected with? I was like, yeah, you know, that person's as hungry as I am. We're going to do 50 deals together over the course of our lives. And like, you sure. see them grow and they start having kids and you're having kids and you're staying close. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, they're not your like, you know, it's not the founder homies or, you know, support group right. that are going to like yeah. pick you up when you're wiped out, but it's also not a random person. Like, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it is around each other for sure. Yeah. You're in the same space and actually tech is way smaller. We think of it as big these days and it is bigger, but everybody still to a degree knows one another, right? Like it would be easy for us to get to even I don't want to say have a big meeting with, but if we want to get even to like Elon Musk, like we probably could. Right. Right. Like, and, and so. Yeah. What, at I want at to be, least as people. At least yeah, as, as people. people. I, to be clear, he would oh, absolutely <laughs> reject us, but to, but that's okay. how small tech is, is what I'm trying to express. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and so you were talking about building those like friendships and time really does allow for an amount of trust to build just by being in the same space, sort of, I know about you, et cetera. Andrew Chen is a great example. I don't know if it applies to you, Joe, but Andrew and I met before Breather, he, before he was at Andreessen Horowitz. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing this thing. And it was my first venture back company. And, and we talked about it and he really wasn't an investor then, but we just met casually. He was a blogger and so was I. And we go for seven years and he finds out ultimately about Breather and how it went and and et cetera, the progress. And then he's like, oh, you made this new thing? He's like, I'm in. Boom, two days, term sheet, right? So yeah. it, 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 
a part of that is this privilege of network and the privilege of being in the same social circles, which obviously is right. not a given. Not everybody has that. And, uh, and some people are born with that. I wasn't on the bottom in terms of network, but nor was I really at the top. And, um, but then all of a sudden you're in the inner circles. That's why, you know, Adam Nash, who we had on is like a lifelong Silicon Valley dude. I, it, I say this with respect, like could, could get funded for any random thing that he probably wanted. Cause he has these 25 year relationships with other yeah, people. I, I, I'd say that, that I, like the Adam Nash type, those are like the, the top networkers as far mm -hmm. as probably founders and also investors, like just his network. I cannot like, it's probably just unbelievable. Yeah. But I mean, you develop it by, by. You know, it's one of the few industries where kind of like busting your ass like works. You can't be yeah. a fucking idiot. Yes. Right? But you just bust your ass. You're like, oh, yeah, I saw him do that thing. Here, here's the view from the outside. From the outside, says the investors, I saw him do that thing. I don't really believe in that thing. I couldn't right. do it. I saw him do this other thing. He was smarter about it this time. And then I've seen him do this, and this is really good. You know what? I'm him. Right. Okay. Right. You know? Right. Right. I mean, you could literally tweet yourself into the consciousness the investor said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's no doubt about it. It happened. Yeah. You know, like, mm -hmm. I, it's really cool seeing these young entrepreneurs uh, build their audience on Twitter and kind of get into the, they're in the conversations and they're, you know, they're making their network and, uh, and most of the time they aren't in Silicon Valley and they, you know, maybe they end yep. up there or they end up in New York or LA or whatever. But like, it's cool that from anywhere you can work your way in if you, if you hustle hard enough at it. Yeah. Joe, how, how did it feel to, um, uh, get called out, uh, get, sorry, get queried about clout, which was 2008 and 2023 publishing this. And people are talking about clout on Twitter. You remember I tagged you this week. It's like, everybody still knows you from them right yeah i mean it's awesome i mean it's a mix where it's like really proud of the work we did it mm -hmm. was you know obviously the center point of my life for a very long time and it's like also motivating to try to like top that <laughs> like not yeah that yeah point. of course yeah uh so it, it is cool that it still exists in the consciousness and every day i get tagged on tweets of like why is it there a new cloud or why, you know, can we build a new yep. cloud? And, um, it's a fun conversation. I love, it's also been long enough that I feel more comfortable revisiting it for a long time. It was like, right. Right. Talking Man, about, like, I hear you. Girlfriend yes. or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And uh, so Kevin, now it's just like you, joy. Do you get, do you get grabbed and be like, Hey, I'm doing a new version of this. Like, will a new version of ship, does that ever like cross your inbox in any way or all, all the time. And okay. yeah, um, a lot of people want to know why it didn't work out and, and all, specifically around like returns, there's, uh, actually yeah. Door, DoorDash actually came out with like a similar like returns product, um, mm -hmm. that to be clear will fail, but, um, yeah. uh, <laughs> but okay. they're yeah. trying it anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, cause, because I lived it, it was interesting that they actually didn't reach out to me, but, mm -hmm. um, uh yeah, I always get tagged in things. It's like, oh, I wish that I wish ship still existed and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was an amazing product, and it's it's real. At, at first, it's the exact same thing that J Joe mentioned. Joe, you had a success. For me, it was like, 
an utter like failure so for me it was very like early on i just wanted to like move on with my life and like not even really talk about it at all but now i'm definitely much more open to like revisiting that and like looking back and be like wow we had it was a really awesome product and like i all talked to it but obviously i would still much rather focus on what i'm building now um but it is it is really interesting i think that brings up another thing that we kind of touched on here but like building your network on Twitter, I think that is like, man, th- yeah. that is, that's a real skill. Um, I'd say I'm like decent at it. Um, but my follower score is not close to your, your guys's or other people out there. Um, mm-hmm. th- that is a real, like you could build your, your career on it almost. Yeah. Um, so I will, it, I'll give you, I'll give you the bit that I think is the most helpful for me as a CEO to doing this. I haven't actively done it in a long time because I went through this phase in early influencers where it's like I realized I was on a content um, treadmill and I and I really didn't like being on the content treadmill, but I had also had nobody to delegate to at that time. We're talking very early influencer social media days where Joe was building and I was inside his machine, to be clear. And so uh, what I what I do today that I think is effective and what I think most people do that are doing it at scale, because I know a whole bunch of them, is uh, they do a version of this. Uh, I call a person on my marketing team and I go, tweet thread. And they go, okay. And I go, here it is, blah, blah, blah. They're like, okay. And then what? I'm like, and then blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay. And now what? And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And I, I verbalize it to them. And it's one of the things about this podcast that's useful is that it allows us to bounce off of one another and off a guest things that we suck that we do know when because we have a ton of learnings from the suffering that we've all been through in the three decades collectively plus on this panel right totally it doesn't emerge no it doesn't no and that's why i love doing this so much exactly yes exactly because it comes it comes off and it bounces off one another because of the and the, the, the 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 discussion and so similarly Twitter needs to do that with you, mm-hmm. but you need to do it off of, I found that I need to do it off of somebody else. And so I would call someone on my marketing team. I'd be like, tweet thread. And they're like, okay. And then I just run them through it and then they write it and then we publish it. And uh, that to me is the means to do it. And I can get a little bit into more detail about this. Like, like there are people that I know that are, are like, yeah, if it doesn't get two likes for each minute that it's on, I delete it. For example. Wow. Right. Like there's oh. ratios like that where people are like, that's when I could tell something is really going to, going to fly off the shelf. And that's when I keep it. Because if I do, if I keep all my other random tweets and people don't, they, they see a, a, you know, a set of tweets in a timeline that are not highly engaging. And so I delete those if they don't work out, but when they do work out, then boom, you could see right in the first minute that they're starting to fly off the shelf. And, uh, and they turn it into a machine and they, they do it in order to get clients, right? Uh, different type of business, but they do it in order to get clients. Here, we're talking about it probably to do it with investors, which I think is also very doable. And there are, as you know, there are firms that ghostwrite as yeah. well. Yeah. And uh, I, I met with some of them for not for this reason over the past couple of weeks. And there's firms that ghostwrite that will gladly charge you 10K to become an inf- uh, a VC influencer on Twitter, right? So it's all out there. I, I think it's amazing to see like 
I've seen some people that have went from like nobody's to like having like 250 to 500,000 followers mm -hmm. and then they start monetizing on that where whether it's like they have a podcast and sponsors or they have a book or mm -hmm. they it's usually like it's, it's usually like self-help there's a lot of self-help help stuff and then they have tiktoks and like all this shit yep. um but it's amazing to see that you can create such a big following so like so so drastically i i think like the smart people especially given like twitter has got so many different like um circles in it would just be mm -hmm. try to find search try to insert yourself into whatever industry you're in as much as you possibly can and just try to yeah. get gain some clout um mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. from doing that um and it could be in in just a thread and 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 like for me right now like i see a lot of people like in the warehousing 3pl space and there's like those types of influencers mm -hmm. and um that's a thing and you guys wow. probably didn't know about that nope um but I, i'd say that's like a pretty smart strategy to kind of get into like the 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 kind of conversation about whatever topic that you're building in or whatever and it could be both for um it could be for everything. It could be for uh, getting customers. It could be for attracting talent. It could be for also investors. I think mm -hmm. there's just so many different circles within Twitter and also within tech in general that um, it could be used for a number of different things. Joe, it's already starting. Uh, FYI, an investor called me last month and said, uh, hey, maybe we could fly Kevin up and uh, we could do a podcast in person. This really happened. And, uh, and I said, I'll ask him. And I, I did ask Kevin offline and he said, no, I'm fundraising. I, I can't come to Canada. It was a Canadian venture, um, venture capitalist. Uh, but the point is, is we're already influencers, you know, <laughs> yeah. we would have very high club scores. For the record, I'll, I'll fly to Canada as an influencer. To... <laughs> but I'm not Canadian. So I don't, I'm here first, but, uh, I'm willing, Just, I'm willing I will cash those influencer checks. As a closing thought, who is the person looking back on it now? And I realize it's off, it's sort of off the cuff, but try to think it through quickly. That would, that was the most influential person that you ever connected to randomly. That was the most helpful to you. Who was the person that you connected to that was the most helpful kind of like out of nowhere? I know for sure. Um, Go for it. It was Naval. Um, it was Naval. And this was off of, this is when I was first starting ship. And here's also a good trick as well um, mm -hmm. for people. Uh, he was on uh, TechCrunch Disrupt and he basically like, th this was when Uber of for everything was starting and they were talking about shipping. And I was already like ideating and starting to create ship. And I just cold emailed him and he's like, he's like, this is a great idea. Come, come on into the AngelList um, office because they were doing, they were starting to do syndicates and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he basically like, I did not have a network at all before him. Um, and he introduced me to Tim Ferriss. And then we turned into one of the largest uh, angel, we were one of the first and largest AngelList syndicates. And it was all through Naval. And and actually carrying that through, I would say he would he has been the most supportive 
throughout even the downturn of ship as we were trying to raise more money. And then even he came into Airhouse as well. And he's Mm -hmm. definitely at a much higher caliber now. Like I I don't have as much access to him today than I did early on um, Mm -hmm. because he's just doing so many more things. Like he's on Joe Rogan. Like he's in that level of like, um, uh, like, I guess, tech celebrity, celebrity Pete. Um, But I guess I'll get a hold of it. If I message him right now, he'd probably call me back in a day or something like that. But mm-hmm. he he definitely early on was the most helpful, most influential person. And and that also just kind of got me going. It's like, oh, I could write a cold email to somebody and like yeah. this could happen. Like anything, anything's possible. Like you just got to you just got to um, uh, try a bunch of things. And and that's what I loved also about just Silicon Valley. And now it's it's more of a it was it before it was just a place. It was only in Silicon Valley this happened. Now it's more of just like a um that just said i don't know what you call it um uh so just kind of a a way of living and, and building um so you could do it anywhere but there's a lot so many people out there that are helpful and i've now since then had at different times different people that have been really helpful and it could be their life stages as well so it's like oh this is like this is it. they wrote a super small angel check but they're trying to then mm. they're trying to, to get into VC. So they want to make a kind of intro. So they, they'll make like 25 intros to people or mm-hmm. something like that. I've seen that a few times throughout my career so far. Joe, what about you? One, so I met a guy named Alan Morgan in the really early days of Clow. He had formerly been a lawyer and then was a partner at Mayfield, the venture <laughs> fund, and yep. effectively was kind of rolling out of Mayfield at the time, was retiring. Um, and he was just like amazing. Like he probably introduced me to more investors and more people than kind of anyone. Uh, he was so helpful. I then asked him to sit in an independent seat on my board, took mm. a million bullets for me at different times. Like, uh, you know, it was like a definitely kind of like trajectory changing relationship. It's, uh, I have a Naval story as well. I would just say he really, I think he basically made that, that seed round happen at breather that wow, otherwise would really? have been 30% smaller. I walked, into the angel, I walked into the angelist office at the time. This was like a really apocryphal, but a dude, Alex Payne was my CTO. Long story about that, which we won't get into in the podcast, but, and, and I, I went in and Naval didn't know me at all. And he said, okay, well, you know, Alex knows you. And, and, uh, and he said, uh, okay, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll feature you right now. And he just put my company in and boom, he just featured me on angel. I was like, right that moment. Right. And I was coming out and I said, if I don't raise a million and a half dollars, I'm going to, I'm just going to shut this down. And, uh, I, got that 365 or 400 K from angel list. And that's what got me over my thing to got my company, get my company started. And then I'll also shout out angels, the smaller, the check, probably the more valuable. Yep. Because as soon as they hit a certain threshold, I'm actually having a bit of a grind at the moment where I'm noting that super cool angel investors that are like super cool on Twitter, et cetera, don't always provide super high value. No, they don't. Uh, but I'll I'll do a shout out to Emily Kramer, who runs a, a syndicate and she was the VP of marketing at Carta and the VP of 
or the a director of marketing at Asana, I think. And it's just like, you, you gotta, you have a set of people that are just super high value. They'll always respond to you. They'll always be willing to talk to you. And then you have a set of people that are kind of fair weather to a degree where they're like, yeah, you're so hot, Andreessen Horowitz. And then like six months later, they don't respond to email. But yeah. I, I'll, I mean, maybe we can end on this, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll also, what I've noticed is that it goes in waves. So like hmm. Naval is not going to be the same person that he was when me and you, when we started at similar times, Julian, our, our last yep. companies, like he, he, he just can't be that as helpful to young entrepreneurs, but there'll be another type of person like a Naval That's and right. it just goes through the, these different cycles. And so it just takes time to find those people, but they're going to be one out of whatever, one out of 20, one out of, one out of 30 people that you meet that are just yeah. going to be these super helpful people. So I, I think it's really like the amount, like for, for all of this, like it's the, the amount of shots on, on goal you really take. So whether that's right. like trying to meet people to develop like founder relationships with investor relationships with employee relationships with like customer relationship all of these mm -hmm. things it's just you just need to put yourself out there and then yep. you're you, you kind of luck just happens so happens to to come on you uh um, yeah uh, that's what i kind of live by i literally i just realized uh sarah kathleen peck had me in her apartment in a spare room they put a bed in there and it was up in i want to well uh, not in uh the tenderloin but above the tenderloin like knob hill or something <laughs> And she just left me in that bedroom and I stayed there for three months. And every day I did meetings in San Francisco. That's amazing. And, and so like, it's just random, random people that were just like, yeah, absolutely. You can sleep in my bedroom while you fundraise. Uh, not in my bedroom. Right. <laughs> in the side bedroom. Uh, and, and so that's how you get it done, I guess. I think it's a good way to end. Great cool. chatting with Thank you guys. guys. Yeah, yeah. Thanks everyone. If you're listening, hopefully you learned something. Uh, if See you, you next time. If you, if you can like the the podcast or whatever you're listening to we need to do a better job of actually promoting this thing we do we do we have we a do. pretty good solid yeah. following now but mm -hmm. as much as you could share this and like this and the youtube algorithm all that stuff mm -hmm. we very very respected we have no sponsors and we i don't think ever will um so we just do this because we love it uh, oh man so andy's not here to say vows our sponsor yeah that's true that, right val's never paid us anything so <laughs> thanks everyone all right bye bye thank you hey yeah we keep it real and we bring you the facts it's the second time founders podcast talking tech news the show is a must not some billionaire trying to sell you their book we're coming from a real place plenty ups and downs got some insights join the discussion now we being honest and raw giving you real talk we've been at the bottom and made it happen and much more the second time founders podcast more building less talk